Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, this is their favorite Tuesday you've had all week, and it's the best True Wealth show you've heard all day. Thanks for joining us, Dave Littlejohn, hosting in studio with me today. Matt Dixon. I love it. We got to get like more like enthusiastic. You know, get pumped up, dude. Matt Dixon. I'm here. Yes, we are ready to rock, and we are ready to lay down some knowledge or full blown guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Full, One of the two. Full-blown guessing. If we uh, say it with enough authority, does it count? Well, it, that's the scary thing, right? When you're in the financial planning arena, people may say it does. So we will give the standard disclosure. Keep in mind a couple things you should know if you are going to listen to this program and remain safe. First, eyes on the road, right? Next time we say, all right, I want you to picture in your mind, keep watching the road if you're driving. The rest of you, take it up with your employer or you know whatever distraction you, <laughs> you have to manage. <laughs> Uh, the the next one is we will be talking about lots of subjects around the subject of finance, but it is not to be considered personal financial advice. Okay, we're going to talk in generics, we're talking ideas, and we're going to talk in concepts. If you need personal advice for your circumstance, what do they do, Matt? I would hope that they would get a hold of the office. Right, they certainly call us. Yeah. At- Oh, this oh, is always a quiz. Five four one something. Three seven five zero eight nine eight. There it All is. Right, there'll be a quiz next time. So that's the number for us. But here's the thing: this program is educational in nature, and if you've got somebody that you like and trust, go to them. You're, we're not saying you got to come to us. We're saying if you don't know this stuff, get qualified help. Okay. If you don't have another resource, we will try to get you a resource or be your resource. There That's it is. why we share this stuff. Okay. Boom. Next one. There is a rule about wealth. Why do we call it the True Wealth Show? Right? Because we're not just talking about how to make more money. It turns out, what is money? Oh, it's it's not a secret, gang. You got to know this one too, Matt. You can't come on the show without knowing. I'm going to blank on this. It's how you trade your time. Oh, okay. Yep. I I got it. All it is a store of value and it's how you trade your time. Keep in mind a couple of things, right? Time marches on and and values change, which is why money is in motion. All right. So money is how you trade your time. True wealth, that's the memories and relationships you make along the way. And we're going to always remember that because I will tell you, uh, I've talked to thousands maybe tens of thousands over the course of my lifetime about money and what i can tell you is while uh i don't believe money's the root of all evil i think it's the love of money that's the root of all evil Mm. but i will tell you that money can't buy happiness being broke can buy sadness (laughs) but but money can't buy happiness so true wealth has got to be more and it's built around the people. So start with the quality relationships. Now that we've had that social service announcement, right? <laughs> Matt, uh, I want to try something new with sure, you. Sure, let's I, do it. I love that you do this. Uh, you know, you you told me as you walked in the door. You know what? Some friends of mine asked me this question, and I think it's a great question. I think our listeners have this question. Lay it on me. Yeah, I mean, I I was on the phone and talking to him, and he ended up texting me today, and he said, hey, you know, can you talk a little bit on the radio today about how potential vaccine mandates might affect the economy, um, especially in regards to, uh, you know, a lot of people have been moving from state to state. 
how would those moves affect the economy? Um, I mean, is U-Haul going to be a company that is seeing a huge uptick in business? Um, real estate, how does it affect the real estate market with everyone moving around and just general market sentiment? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Okay, so great questions. First of all, here's what's fun. U-Haul apparently does have a ticker symbol. Okay. I know. Who knew, right? Uh, never looked at it before, but a very interesting question. Now, let's be clear. We're not making a recommendation for U-Haul. Right. Okay? That's not where we're going with this thing. But I think it's interesting because in, in light of this question, it appears like it was down 1% today as well. So go figure. Well, I'm going to ask a couple of questions of you. Sure. First of all, we say, how does this affect real estate? I say, Matt, what determines the price of anything? Just supply and demand. Okay. So what do we have if... Uh, people are moving. I feel like, you know, you've got your supply and demand in certain states that might be rising, whereas in another state, if people are mass exiting the state, maybe the demand is lower. Yeah, I think it's the demand side of the curve. Because the supply really isn't changing. Then right, it's unless a you're set... seeing, well, fires, if, you, if, if, sure. if fires burn houses down, you actually reduce supply. Right. Okay, so there's a supply And we actually issue. have seen that. Yes, we have. That's real. Right, so that's real. But I don't know that that is as material it's as... It's much of a driving force. Right. I mean, I think that's a it's a contributing factor. And it here's the thing about real estate that's challenging. It's localized. People have this desire to speak about real estate in a grand market. And yet, you know, we could have seen big real estate upticks in many markets. And yet, uh, I don't know where they're at right now, but inner city Detroit was on the downhill. Yeah. Right. You know, you had a lot of uh, manufacturing that moved out of the area. And so uh, entire neighborhoods sort of uh, be, were vacated. And so there was no demand, even though there was still existing supply. And then it just starts to decay away when it's not maintained. So that local real estate market could suffer. And th that can happen anywhere. Even yeah. in a great, in a booming or busting economy, supply and demand is local for real estate. So I think that's uh, that's a consideration. But we're talking about the demand side of the curve a lot here mm -hmm. because let, let's get down to I, I will do my best to not make this political, but rather to this is speak to the pragmatics of what's going on sure. and because political is not very useful, right? It's not very useful because it's really tribal in nature. Now, if you don't know what that term is, Google that puppy, right? Tribalism is a, a deal where it's sort of like, which team are you going to be on, right? Or are you on? Team Biden, or are you on team anybody but Biden, right? Yeah. It's that sort of thing. And that's the politics of the day. And it's really interesting. I made this joke the other day. Uh, insert political figure of your choice that you love or hate. And let's say that you hate that political figure, and they came out and said, you know what? You should eat your vegetables. If your response is, hell no, I'm not eating my vegetables, <laughs> hey, we got a problem here. That's tribalism at work, right? <laughs> Like, and we all know someone like that, too. Oh, we have people that just say, I will do the opposite of what you say because I don't like you. Yep. Okay. That, that's, that is at the sort of the core of tribalism right now is, you know, I'm going to align with my people that agree with me and we're going to resist. So, uh, but without going down the path of which team you chose and why you're right and everybody else is stupid, right, let's just skip that for today. Let's do that. Instead, let's just uh, sort of talk about where we're at right now. We have to make some assumptions. Sure. Okay. So one of them is, 
we have been given some indication that uh, we are the federal government is going to create some kind of mandate, uh, and it is apparently in place in certain areas. But for my understanding, and I may get this wrong, so I, you know it, it keeps moving, right? And you it's can only do so much every day. But healthcare workers, federal employees, military. And anybody employed by a business with 100, with, with more than 100, or maybe it's 100 or more employees. Mm-hmm. So this leaves small businesses that are not in the healthcare arena in the ambiguous, ambiguous area. Ambiguous, right? <laughs> ambiguous area. So it's a what happens there? But everywhere else, well, we have roughly, what, 335 million people in the United States. And Numbers roughly 80 million unvaccinated, roughly. I'm just kind of going with but the figures. But of that 300 and something million, how many of them are actually in the workforce? Well, that's the next issue, right? Okay. So there's a couple things at play here. One of them you and I didn't even talk about. I'm going to totally throw you a curveball and see how you respond. But one of them is we don't, all 335 million people aren't in the workforce. Right. Right? Because some of them are. Retired. Well, they're retired. Some of them are kids. kids. Yeah. Right? So you got the, the barbells, and then you got the middle of the, the working age folks. And working age workforce estimated at about 161.5 million. Estimated down to the 0.5. Yeah. 0.5. Yeah. Well, you know, estimated to half a million people. That's yeah. still a uh, That's still a yeah, number. That's still, yeah. you know. Twenty percent of the population of Oregon, or something. Yeah, that's so, true. Or a little less, fifteen percent, whatever. The 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 point being, if let's just use one hundred and sixty for our math. Yeah, one hundred sixty million in the workforce, and roughly eighty million people unvaccinated. If the ratios are consistent, let's say half of those people unvaccinated. I don't know that they're consistent, and here's why. I think that a good portion are kids that are not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that 80 million is measured. Um, I think that there's a, a higher percentage of the senior population that is vaccinated, right? Then, then, then if we were to say 80 million vaxxed, roughly 160 million in the workforce, so half of them are unvaccinated. I don't think it's that high, but I don't know. Let's just say it was. Or, or let's play a different game. I don't now. even think it's that important either. I well, mean, as it, long as we're is, close. Because the numbers we talked about, here's where we're going with this. Let's we're going to play an ex, a thought experiment here on air. Ooh. And the experiment is if if the ratio is about right, then let's say in our workforce, that's about 80 million that are unvaccinated. Let's say that half of them are in the workforce. So, so we've got 40, 40 million. million. Yeah. So 40 million people unvaccinated out of the 160 million in the workforce. That's 25 percent of the workforce that's unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Let me be really clear for a moment. I am not taking a position on whether or not you should do that personally. My take is it's your body and your healthcare decisions are uniquely personal. I am not afraid to be on air saying I looked at the numbers and personally did it, right? So I got the vaccine because I'm a data guy and I look at the upside and the downside and what was going on. You may think I'm crazy. Or you may agree with me completely. The beauty of America, we get to do that, right? You get to choose. Okay. But that's 
So we we start with that as just because I want I want everybody to know where I'm at so that they don't think I've, I'm trying to influence right anything with the program. Fair We're enough. Just talking numbers here. So we got 25 percent of the workforce that's unvaccinated. Okay, how does this vaccine mandate influence the economy? If these are our base assumptions, a quarter of workers are unvaccinated and we have a vaccine mandate that's going to affect. Let's just again, we'll keep the math easy and say it's pretty much going to affect everybody in one form or fashion because they're working on doing that. Right. They're working on making it a mandate for everybody. They're using OSHA regs. They're using military regs. They're using healthcare regs. You know, you work at a hospital, you get Medicare funding, you, you know, then you're under the mandate or you get defunded like they're leaning into this thing. Yep. So let's just our, our, our base assumptions are 25 percent of the workforce and the regs are intended to be universally applied. So we'll, we'll just kind of ignore the small business exemption for a second. What does this potentially mean economically? It means, oh, my gosh, are we talking about economics? we got to take an obscene profit break. Dude, they're going to want to yeah. stick around for you're, this, though. You're going to want to know, like, where does this vaccine mandate taking us? We're going to unpack some more of that after this important break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Okay, we're back. I was doing uh, doing math on a sheet for Matt here, and I was doing the worst job. Matt's a recovering math teacher, and he's uh-huh. looking at me going, don't teach math, dude. No, don't. <laughs> okay, when we last <laughs> left our heroes, uh, we were talking about, it's math, and now i got to unpack it live and see if I can't scare our audience off. Oh, you poor people. Uh, if you re- like, So you need to either change the channel or hang on. That's how this is going to work. Uh, if you want to know, I'd how recommend we got hanging on though, because yeah, if, this is going to get good. We're we're prepared <laughs> and somewhat prepared. Catch our podcast to get caught up. Uh, so it's available at, at our website, littlejohnfs.com. Click under the "What We're About" tab, and you got three pillars: educate, plan, invest. Okay, and under the educate tab, you can find our links to all of our past shows, but also to this show. It will be on podcast. So if you're just joining in, like hook it up later because this is where it gets real. You want to know, look, we've got people are asking vaccine mandate. What does this mean economically? Not the politics, not the which team have you chosen, right? I don't know if you're. Team- we just care about yeah. what's happening with the economy. Yeah, I mean, is this going to make money or not for you? Or how are you going to navigate this thing? What's it going to do? What's going to spin off? On, you know, it's it's like every time that a door shuts, a window opens, right? Boom. It's, it's the economy is like a big tube. You squish one thing into one end, something else squirts out the other side. What's it going to be? Yep. And we don't know, but we're going to play some experiments in our brain. But we got to have some numbers grounded. And here's where we're at. Let's say that... 10% of the workforce that's unvaccinated says no, right? Like, We're not getting I'm it. We're just, actually going to quit. We are just holding our ground on principle alone, not going to do it, willing to get fired or whatever it takes. I'll move. Yep. I'll start over and deal with the consequences. Okay. And to which I will say, again, it is America and you have the freedom to make those stands and those choices. Okay. Matt, your job is to remind me at the end of the show, 
do a message for folks that are that are on the fence about how they're thinking about that. Okay. 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 And it's not a what to do. It's another thing to consider. It's another angle, just okay. to think through. But I'm gonna make you hang on until the end of this one. So if you can't make it, again, hit the podcast. It's important. It's it's important. I want you to think about this. If you are one of these people that's in the camp of, I have to figure out from my value system whether or not I'm willing to be civilly disobedient on this government order. Okay? Okay. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Meanwhile, we're going to play the numbers game because that's what finance guys do. We grind out the math, right? We're here for it. 160 million people working. 80 million, uh, and, and we think we said about 80 million unvaccinated and we're going to take the number half. of roughly yeah. again because i don't know i'm just going to say let's say half of those people are in the workforce 160 million is roughly half our population half of those people are unvaccinated which means about 40 million out of 160 so roughly one in four people unvaccinated in the workforce if my numbers are wrong i'm sorry but the math will still sort of work for what we're illustrating today anyway so don't get hung up in the specificity of the numbers okay Think with me about the concept and what it means. If 10% of 40 million people decide not to go to work because they're, they're or, or, or get kicked out of their work, they may want to go to work, but they're not allowed to. Mm -hmm. They're kicked out of the workforce. What does that look like numerically? So 10% of 40 million is four million. Four million. Four million out of 160 million is about two and a half percent yep so matt where is the current unemployment rate right now like 5.2 yeah 5.1 5.2 so just yep. over five percent so let's take that up to five or 7.7 7 or well so, so, so let's yeah. just make the numbers easy let's say it's an even five and it goes to seven and a half percent yep okay here's the part that people miss what that would be considered is not a 50% unemployment rate, but a 50% increase in the rate of unemployment, right? Because Say that unemployment of 50% means one out of every two people isn't working. Yeah. Okay. That's not what we're talking about. But if you have 10 people that aren't working and then you go to 11, that's a 10% increase, right? 11 is 10% more yes. than 10. Yes. I'm following you. Well, Seven and a half is fifty percent more than five. That's wow. It's yes, a fifty percent increase in the employment or the unemployment rate. Ouch! It's really, really significant when we think about how much of a move it is. Now, when COVID first hit, we had massive workforce slide. Like, I think unemployment shot up to like twelve to fifteen percent. Really extreme. So that kind of economic impact is like businesses are shuttering and governments start printing money and giving it away just to try to prevent everybody from becoming financially destitute mm -hmm. right so they do extraordinary things that history may or may not remember is a good move but it was at the time the house was on fire and it was put the fire out however you can deal with the consequences later yep okay that was kind of the attitude i think we can all agree on that so what's it look like if you see a 50% bounce up in unemployment 
where we're looking at an inflationary environment and so forth. Our supply chains are already so messed up. I can't even imagine what 50% tacked onto that looks like. Right. And I my suspicion is it's not as earth-shattering as people want to believe, but it's also really painful. Because how many companies, their profits math is the same math I just did for unemployment. What I mean is, hey, I'm a big company, okay? A company that's worth $10 billion, let's okay. say. And we do, uh, let's, let's say we do $100 million in revenue this year. But our profits are $10 million. And we see an economic decline of 10%. My revenue goes from 100 million to 90, 90 million. million. My profits disappear. Right? Cuz it's all the margin yeah. in the business unless I change and retool the business. So it can have a material impact on the amount of profit that exists in the corporate sector which then echoes through the entire system for valuations. And so it could be really detrimental to stock market values. If all of a sudden companies don't have profits because the economy is contracting because mm -hmm. of a dislocation in the workforce, a breakdown in the supply chains. And so that's that is kind of the the concern that we have from an economics perspective is what what will this do to the various I guess pressure points in the financial system, right? If you can't get workers, then do companies that need them have to pay more, which is inflationary in nature, or do businesses try to bring more technology in and just say we won't hire more workers? Now, what do we do with the people that don't stay employed? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, you know, what do they do to feed their families and so forth? And how does that work? I think it introduces lots of questions. And then when people tell me we're going to move. Right? We're going to go somewhere that is politically more aligned with our value system. But now, lots of people do that. Are you all competing for the same jobs? And so for those areas, is it actually a surplus of labor, which means that you have a, a lowering of wages because hmm. there's more competition for fewer jobs in the area right. until that economy begins to expand. Stabilize, a, yeah. Correct, right. You know, it, will, it will adjust over time, but initially, system shock, right? Whoa, we just had a big supply in labor. Nobody ever yeah. thinks of labor as an input cost. They just think of it as, well, humans need to make enough money to make a living. You're thinking of the person with the face, right? You're not thinking of the person as the robot that did the job. And, and you know, if it's not this person, it's another person. I love the, bra the way your brain works. Like, this is, this is good. This is high-quality content right here. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is that the human side of us says people have value, and when and so... Because remember, true wealth, relationships, memories, meaningful stuff, and we care about people. So a person that does a job, we want that, we, we really want everybody to have living wage jobs. But wanting the job to be living wage doesn't make it the value of a living wage job, unfortunately. Oh right? man, it, preach that. It just, it just doesn't. And legislatively, you can't demand that a job be worth more. All you can do is have the government step in, price fix something, which then, remember, if the economy's a big tube, you push something in one end and something else squirts out the other end. Yeah. Right? Great. You get inflation. 
Okay. Hey, we're going to just force everybody to pay more for everything. Okay, you'll get inflation because the system will move the other parts. Like, you know, try to squeeze water. Right? You can only yeah. compress this. Oil. Try to grab water and squeeze it in your hand, right? It's going to squish out whatever direction it can find. And the economy will do that. You can only contain it so much, which is why we try to hold the economy in our cupped hands rather than squish it. <laughs> I'm like, please, folks, think through the impact of your decisions. If you change an input, something, like every time somebody says, we got to tax the rich, I go, yeah, that's the let's get somebody else as long as it's not in my backyard. Right. But the unintended consequences, hey, if you're on a, a pension plan and we do a wealth tax, all of a sudden uh, wealthy people are forced to sell stuff, which changes the supply and demand dynamic, which changes the value of the assets that they own, most of which are large percentages of super valuable companies. Right. Hey, Elon Musk, you shouldn't be rich. You have to sell your Tesla stock. OK, we just took. 25% of Tesla stock or whatever his ownership is forced more shares onto the market. And now everybody says, why is Elon selling? Well, they must be scared, right? And now there's more supply or there's more shares in circulation. Do we have more demand? If we don't, the price drops. By the way, your pension has that in there too. And the value of your underlying pension holdings just dropped, endangering your pension payment. Ouch. It's all connected, folks. None of us lives in a vacuum. It is that we're in a terrarium, a financial terrarium, and we're all in the same ecosystem. You're not on the other side of the glass. That's the problem, right? It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So this vaccine mandate, we're all in the same terrarium. And if we make that change, it will. Ch it is. it is no different in a sense than a tax policy. Sure. No. Right. Because because it will have a certain portion of the population will be affected and that will then ripple through the system and there will be financial ramifications. And if people start moving from states that are very aggressive about this to states that are not aggressive, you will have potentially decline in demand of real estate in one area and an increase in another. Yeah. Because remember what I said at the beginning of the program, real estate is localized. It okay? is. And I have no idea what happens with U-Haul stock. I know you can barely buy a pickup right now because they're, the, the supply chain's so jacked up, you just can't find them. Yeah. And like, if you bought a pickup two years ago, you could sell it for more than you bought it for, probably. But Problem then is, what? You can't get a new truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, great, you're, you're still stranded. So maybe U-Haul stock goes up, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> if people move, I'm really interested to see what really happens when it's all said and done. Because if only we had that like crystal ball where we could look into the future. Right. Well, and that's the, the the whole fun part about this thought experiment is I just want everybody to think this through, that it's not as simple as we need to do this because. Don't be reactionary. Well, let's, be well thought out. Yeah. Or let's go from playing checkers to chess. Right. You need Ooh, to think I like of, that. You need to think a few more moves down. Right. The, the, the low hanging fruit was flatten the curve, keep people safe. We're going to compel your behavior. But the knock on effect is, well, what happens if uh, we shut down facilities and now you don't have services? And now when you don't have services, there's an economic retraction and then you're the one losing your job for it. Right. Like, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that uh, depending on how close you are to an ecosystem, that could happen. So, it really could. Yeah. And anyway, so there's more to this. 
right? Of course there is, uh, but we've, we're running a little long in the segment here. So you know, speaking of economics, once again, <laughs> we will take an economic profit break. But we will be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. And uh, in studio today with me, Matt Dixon. Nailed it. And uh, I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Super stoked that you guys are joining us today. Uh, And I I love Tuesdays, love doing the show. We have talked about some heavy stuff today. Grab it on the podcast if you want to at littlejohnfs.com. And we're we're breaking into this idea of not for the purpose of politics, for economics. What does it mean when we have this, or what's the potential impact of a vaccine mandate where a a good chunk of the workforce draws a line on principle and refuses and then forces the next move, which is essentially forced unemployment, right? So Mm -hmm. So you see a significant change in the unemployment rate is published, and how does that alter our economy? So, so I'm curious with that as a backdrop, Matt. Uh, you've said you had some friends. You've you've been talking about this a little bit and asking questions. What do you think would be some of the potential impacts that we might experience economically or just in general? Just in general. I mean, I do think that if we continue down that path, that inflation could be a real ramification of this. So. Uh, help our listeners uh, like where what do you how do you figure that it will contribute to inflation what's your what's your thinking there i mean when you start um you know creating that gap i guess in the workforce and people have to make more money because you know well we talked about this a little bit with the different profit margins so it could it could be a double-edged sword. It could actually increase profits if you automate and reduce the number of workers that you have. So it could increase profits, but it's, yeah, it's kind of an employment question, right? I mean, yeah. so it seems to me you have one of two things, right? So if Matt, if you're an employer mm-hmm. and you lose a bunch of employees, what does that mean? Well, you're not making as much money, right? Initially, if you lose Possibly, your employees, right? I, right? I think it really depends on the business. It right? does. If it's if you're it in the go if your employees produce things, right? If you don't run a restaurant, you don't have anybody to cook the food. Right you now, problem, you're losing money, right? But if you're still able to produce and get your product out there with less employees, well, now your profit margins are higher. Right, and see, that's the dichotomy of a marketplace. My sense is that COVID forced a lot of retooling already, and businesses have had to get very creative on how to work remotely and with fewer people working. So that is that is my sense, partially. The other is, yeah, I mean, if you don't have the employees, then it's hard to do the job and actually get you, it out. So that's a supply chain disruption. And you've got to charge more to stay in business. And- 
that's one way you can end well, up with inflation. Yeah. Poten- it, it, well, that's a th- that to me is an interesting one. Like, if you want to get the employees back, then you're you have competing, to pay them more. Competing more for the employees that will comply. Yeah. So that means you got to pay more. That drives up the cost for the business. It does mean the people working there get paid more, so they can spend more in the economy. But it also means the business likely needs to adjust prices to cover the higher input. And cost I know of a lot of people that own small businesses right now and they're looking around and saying hey like i've got to have people but you know i can't pay them 15 dollars an hour because they can go get that anywhere and i need you know high quality employees and now i'm looking at 20 plus dollars an hour to pull that employee in yeah it's it's an interesting world where uh the price of labor has gone up but let's be mm-hmm. honest the price of everything has everything. gone up right i mean life's getting more expensive and look around i am not going to try to sugarcoat this for any of you listening uh, you go to the grocery store you go to the gas pump it costs more it does right and we're now talking about uh, a lot of again not political this is just mechanical right but trump era tax cuts are slated to roll off the books before long which will mean that they will uh, personal tax rates will default to higher rates for many or for at least for the upper earning echelon mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a discussion about corporate tax rates being raised I think from 21% to 28% something meaningful and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head yet um, there's a part of me that's putting my fingers in my ears and, and humming really loud every time I hear this because uh, the big shocker, and this one, it's not political, it's economic, but it just people make it political and struggle with it, is the companies don't pay the taxes. You do. Yeah. The, the person just, that's buying the materials, the consumer, you're paying for it. Right. At, at the end, the cost of doing business is reflected in the price of the product. Okay. Yep. Let me say that again. The cost of doing the business is reflected in the product. The company may squeeze a little bit less margin, but the corporate tax is on the profits, not on what's left. So if you make everything more expensive, you lower corporate profits, higher taxes don't produce more. Okay, there's there's an economic theory called the, it's the, the economist was Laffer, L-A-F-F-E-R, and uh, postulated something called the Laffer curve, which is the optimum amount of economic output to tax collection. If you keep taxing even higher than a certain amount, it reduces economic output and you collect lower tax rates. Okay, And what we've seen is this has been demonstrated that taxes get too high, it's an economic wet blanket, right? It just sort of slows everything down and then the slowed economy produces less and the taxes decline. So you can tax yourself out of success. Absolutely. Right? So people that think that you can just raise a corporate tax, like that's going to somehow do it, I believe, okay, and this this, this tiptoes tip into political a little bit, but I believe you're kidding yourself. I think that that is an economic tool for the people that aren't doing their homework and delving into the financial system to understand it. I think you're being duped by people that tell you that corporations don't pay their fair share. Yeah. Okay. I just think you do, that you're being duped if that's your position, because in the end, the corporation and the profits it makes are either retained earnings and beyond a certain threshold, it gets taxed, 
Okay. Otherwise, it's either reinvested in the company and how the company operates, or it's distributed to the shareholders in the form of dividends, and those dividends are taxed. Does the alternative and the product the company's product is ba- you know the cost is baked into the company product? Does the alternative minimum tax work its way into that at all? So the alternative minimum tax is a different animal. It's not it's really not for applicable. corporations more for private. It's yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's not part of a corporate issue. The alternative minimum tax is for uh, folks that uh, typically it's folks that have W two income that's high earnings and they have a lot of deductions that they may qualify for. But it's and I'm not a CPA, and so you know don't take this as tax advice or anything. But just generically, it is a different tax structure. So that if you have deductions that lower your taxable income below what it would otherwise be, the alternative minimum tax taxes you at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying, well, we will disallow certain things. You make too much money, so you can't deduct your mortgage interest, or you can't deduct donations and other things, and so you still have to pay the tax. But if you have a sole proprietorship, well, so business entities are different. Sole proprietorship, uh, I'm not prepared to discuss that one right now. Uh, you know, it's a CPA kind of question. We're, we're getting ourselves in a rabbit hole. Yeah, it, it really is a it's a tax policy issue. Where depending on how you're structured and how you're how you're dealing with things, the idea behind any business, sole proprietorship or otherwise, though, is businesses have expenses, and those expenses are, bef- they, they occur before you get to ca- tabulate profits. If you make a hundred dollars, but it takes ninety dollars to earn it, your profit is only ten dollars. You're not taxed on a hundred dollars. Usually in Oregon, you are, right? There's a gross receipts mm-hmm. tax. Usually you're just taxed on the ten dollars of profit that you make. Okay, so that's the part that the business gets taxed on. Or if you're a you know sole proprietor or some kind of flow through entity, then that ten percent that's left, the ten dollars that's left is your taxable income. Gotcha. Okay, but again, not advice on this show. Just be aware that's how that works. And see what you did when you made financial planners talk nerd. Yeah. Oh man, the you rabbit holes. You know, fine. We're gonna take our last break. Okay. That's what you get. So we'll we'll just yeah play the music talk on it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we're going to take a break. When we get back, I've got one final thought for you and a couple considerations as we look at this uh, mandate for vaccines. And, and what does it mean for you personally and for our economy and what should we be doing about it? But we got to take this last break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. we got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch of the true wealth show uh, where we're covering oh all kinds of good clean family fun right oh yeah or maybe not family fun at all i you know there's been it affects s- your family yeah it <laughs> it does i mean really uh, i think it's just one of those that affects all of us uh, in in some form or fashion and i'm not here to draw lines or opinions or anything else but there's a vaccine mandate that has the potential to have significant economic impact because there are people that are going to refuse to comply. And then there's the unenviable challenge then of how does the workplace respond to that? Now, my sense is that there are some elephants in the room that aren't well discussed that should probably be discussed. Hey, and I, I'm reticent to even bring this up, but I don't know how to do this without pointing this out because when people get really tribal in their way they think about this, they don't think these things through all the time. Everybody says, I, me, this is how I believe. 
and then they want to apply this. But nobody thinks about things from the company perspective of how many companies out there are trying to keep people employed and they're worried that if an employee, I don't even want to say this because if somebody gets a crazy dumb idea, look, if you if you are exposed and get COVID while at the workplace, how many people will try to hold the employer responsible for it? Hmm. Right? It's- and so, and, and heaven forbid the worst occur. And, you know, it, it has in some cases, right? I mean, not everybody survives. I know survival rates are high, but it's a really weird genetic lottery as to whether or not you struggle with this one. Some people, I mean, there are people in their 20s that get COVID and they don't make it. Okay, like it actually does happen. It's rare, but it does happen, right? And there are people with comorbidities and other issues. I, I get it. And then there's a bunch of us that are healthy and you get it, and you'll be fine. Okay, so I'm not trying to fear monger here, but I am suggesting this is a real challenge for companies. Mm-hmm. They're saying, we need you to come to work, but if you get COVID and something bad goes on, then, then what happens to us? Yeah. And it's not part of the conversation. And so the government's trying to go like, well, then we need some pathway to get everybody clear. And it's you're kind of in trouble no matter which direction you go. Because it's like, well, what if you get it and you have natural immunity? Do you want to show that off? Right now, all of a sudden, people go, wait a minute. We're talking vaccine passports and other stuff. We said we weren't going to do that, right? We have our medical privacy rules. Well, then we need this mandate. Wait a second. You know, well, we've done it in the past or we haven't. Guys, it's just complicated. And people have very strong convictions around this. I am not going to fault anybody You're not, for that. Yeah. I'm just not, right? I, I, I respect your right to have that deeply held belief. I believe that if you're going to do that, you need to also have a deeply held conviction that you will own the consequences of that decision, right? If that is your conviction, then you're taking on the liability too, okay? That's where that comes down to. But the the consideration that I wanted to add to this is just for some people that if you want to make this on a conviction level, I am, like I said, I will. I, I support in America the the right to to have those strong opinions, even if they're unpopular. Okay, that's part of free speech. It's what we believe in. Certainly, what I believe in. But if the idea is that you're going to somehow stick it to the other team, that you're going to show them because they said so, right? That joke earlier about if they told you to eat their veg your vegetables, you won't do it because it's them that said it. Okay, if that's you, then I would suggest. That, and that's your only driving force. Yeah, that, that, that's a silly idea because if you study the political science, and I'm not going to nerd out too much, but just you're unlikely to change the voters on the other team. Your behavior will make them mad, but it won't change their behavior. Even if there's an economic impact, it will just make them believe even more adamantly that their team is right and your team is wrong and see you're hurting everybody or see... We, you know, like everybody will just confirm their own bias and, and it will be more divisive. And that's the challenge I think we have as a country right now is when did we stop being able to have open conversations without biting the other person's head off or figuring, you know what, you're wearing a different jersey than me. It's not red, white, and blue. It's something else. Yeah. And I, it disappoints me a lot. Uh, 
I'm, it is what it is. I, and you know, those of you out there listening, some of you are going like, gosh, I'm glad somebody said it. And some of you are like, you just don't get it. And I'm like, well, okay, I just don't get it. But you know what? I respect you and love you for it anyway. So, uh, and you know, I'm not going to fault you for it, uh, but there you go. So that's it, man. I don't know uh, what else to tell you. I think, uh, I think today was a good show. <laughs> I, I really so. do. It's, it's complicated and economics are never, uh, it's a very soft science, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality to it is economics is not all that dissimilar to psychology, right? We yeah. know some stuff, but we know some stuff that we think we know that isn't so, and that is the challenge. So, um, but as far as real life, here's what I will tell you, um, y- you know, make decisions methodically, slowly, use your brain, not your heart. And that will help you to stay out of trouble. And if you are emotionally conflicted in a decision, get a referee, right? Bring in a third party, get a second opinion. So you get can a coach, s- slow your roll a little bit and improve your analysis. Cause uh, every one of us in one time in life or another has been a victim of wanting so much to believe that we were right, that we discarded data that would indicate otherwise. And we regretted that decision. Live long enough and you'll screw some stuff up, I promise. <laughs> so I certainly have, and I'm sure I will again. But uh, the trick is whether or not you are learning from it. And so uh, seek wisdom. It's a lot cheaper and less painful than experience. How do they seek wisdom? Who could they call? Oh, there's many. So find someone you like and trust. And if you don't have that somebody, give us a call. So are you ready yet? Or you're... 541 375 zero eight nine eight okay we got you three out of ten all right uh also you got our web page at littlejohnfs.com and uh there's no obligation for this stuff right we help people all day long a lot of people call and it's just the other look if you want something on the radio send us an email info at littlejohnfs.com you can also give us a call we can throw that topic on air but uh we're out of time for now so matt thanks for joining me it was a good time absolutely so until next time everybody thanks a lot this has been dave little john and matt dixon and you've been listening to true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen